0: Welcome to Warriors Off-Court, the San Francisco Chronicles NBA podcast. I'm your host, Warriors beat writer Connor Letourneau, and today I'm joined by sports columnist Scott Osler to break down Golden State's Game 1 win over the Spurs. So Scott, here we are in an empty interview room here at Oracle Arena. Um, We're fresh off. The Warriors 113 92 route of the Spurs in game one of, of the first round. And, um, you know, we, we, we just logged through what felt like a lot of press conferences and we heard a lot of things. But obviously, the big takeaway today has to be that these Warriors came out and did what you what You know, if you're following this team, they did what you want them yeah. to do. They played like the group that. Won an NBA title last year, and obviously they're without Steph Curry. But you know they were really focused and attentive on both sides of the ball, and that's really a far cry from what we saw from them this past month. But I guess that's the difference the playoffs make.
1: Yeah, I, to me this was a game that that was perfect for everybody because if you're like the Debbie Downer type, you could say, oh, just against the Spurs, and the Spurs don't really have anything," and you and the Warriors had to win big, and it was no big deal, and they could minimize this game. But really, the way I would look at it would be more the optimistic thing is they had to come out strong. The Warriors had to come out strong. And if they're going to make a playoff run, they've got to establish themselves early. And they got to come out big like they did today. They couldn't – just beating the Spurs by three or four points today. I don't think would have done it. They needed to make a statement. They needed to cr- clamp down on defense. And they needed to play with great spirit, and they did. So to me it was – even though it was a ho-hum game to a lot of people and maybe around the country it was no big deal – I think for the Warriors it was a big deal.
0: Yeah, and I think I think you, you saw like a, a renewed level of confidence really post game and because you you talked to these guys the past week or so and obviously they know how good they are, but there's a difference between knowing how good you are and actually being able to turn it on and show it. And the past week or so since since that 40 point blowout in Utah in the regular season the constant question has been, are you going to turn on the switch? Are you going to turn on the switch? Are you going to turn on the switch? Are you going to flip the switch? And, you know, their general response has been, well, you know, we hope so. We know we if anyone can do it, it's us, but we hope we can do it. We think we can do it. And the the general theme post-game today was, see, we are what we said we were. We are what you thought we were. We're, you know, the defending NBA champions. We're arguably the most talented, deepest team In NBA history and you know they they showed it today I mean let's look at the box score here it it was just dominance all the way through they shot 54.3 percent from the field to San Antonio's 40 percent they had 32 assists on 44 field goals now that was that was big because if you if you think about it toward the end of the regular season they got away from kind of their movement heavy blueprint they were Playing a lot of ISO, they're giving the ball way too much in uh, way too much to Durant in one-on-one situations, and getting away from what they like to do, which is spread the floor, uh, move off screens, and and what you found is when they're moving the ball like like they can, Klay Thompson, shockingly enough, had a bunch of wide open looks and capitalized. He was 11 for 13 from the field for 27 points, which is the exact type of stat, stat line you want to see from clay. He doesn't necessarily get up a ton of shots, but he's efficient with it. And he's phenomenal at moving off screens and getting open. And today was a great example of the type, type of game you want to see from him. I thought it was also a good example of the type of game you want to see from Durant. No, he didn't go out for 44 points, but he had an efficient 24 points on nine for 17 shooting. And he did a really nice job of getting guys involved at seven assists. He was really solid defensively, two steals, um, and, and he also did a nice job cap- crashing the glass. This team had 51 rebounds to San Antonio's 30 rebounds. Wow. And the thing is, I thought, I thought Ginobili, Manu Ginobili, who in my opinion might be one of the best quotes in this league, yeah. uh, had a really telling quote post-game where basically he said, you know, for us to have a chance, we need to do everything right. We need to play better than we even think we can play. We need to overachieve. Yeah. And they didn't do that today. Obviously, they they made a lot of mistakes that are pretty uncharacteristic of Greg Popovich coach coach teams. Really, in that first half, there was a lot of situations where they just weren't helping on defense. weren't you know We're getting fooled on screens. weren't 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 uh, switching quickly enough, and they looked a little bit discombobulated. And my biggest takeaway from this game was just the stark contrast in talent that these teams have. Obviously, the Spurs did a nice job against the Warriors in the regular season, but as we've talked about at at Nauseam, the Warriors were kind of plotting through the regular season. Now that these games matter, you're starting to see the Warriors' true abilities come out, and uh, the reality is on paper and in reality, this team is just so much more talented than san antonio obviously san antonio is without quiet leonard but i honestly think this is the worst san antonio team in 20 years yeah. since they started their streak of, of playoff appearances i mean if you just look through this roster there's some solid role guys but i don't think they're even necessary elite role guys i mean yes you have Lamarcus aldridge who's an all-star but outside of that patty mills dejounte murray kyle anderson danny green Obviously, Manu Ginobili's well past his prime. Tony Parker is beyond well past his prime, and put Paul Gasol's well past his prime. So it's just not it's not a roster that scares you. I think we said last week on the pod this was probably the best matchup for the Warriors. What what do you think about just the state of, state of San Antonio right now? And do you think that they have even a chance of of testing this Warriors team going forward?
1: No, I'm just you know when you add this up, you look at the box score that which we're doing right now. Um, San Antonio's got one guy who you would fear on offense, LaMarcus Aldridge. You know, Patty Mills can score. He can do okay. But LaMarcus is the guy that's got to score for them, right? Okay, he's their scorer. You look at the Warriors, they got like five guys who are in that category who, oh, my God, this guy could go off at any time and get 30 points or 35 or something like that. And you just can't (laughs) – it's just a total mismatch. And uh, sometimes I wonder why – I know Popovich is a coach and he's got that in him so he has to get mad – and when his guys have lapses, which they had today in defense and stuff, it's right for the coach to get mad. But in a way, I almost want to see Pop just sit there and think, well, you know, we're doing the best we can. Yeah. <laughs> Our guys are doing the, I'm not going to get mad at them because God love them. They're trying their hearts out. That's, that's kind of the way it looked today. Now, maybe it'll change tomorrow. Maybe San Antonio will make a, a nice run at them for a game or two. But, man, I just don't see it. In fact, I, based on today, if I see if this series goes beyond five, even beyond four really but if it goes to game 6 the whole world's going to say man the warriors are in trouble they couldn't finish these guys off in 4 or 5
0: yeah i mean for for the for this game for this series to go longer than 5 games i think the warriors would really have to get away from what they they did today and to me today was kind of a breakthrough moment because and today was a pivotal moment because I think game 1 in a in a playoff series you really it's all about setting the tone. And I think you can really, you know, set the whole dynamic of the series with a decisive game 1 victory and coming off, you know, losing 10 of their final 17 regular season games, that was the big question and I think they they hushed a lot of those doubters and it would really surprise me if they didn't build on that in game 2. Um, I don't think there's anything strategy-wise San Antonio can really do that's going to solve the talent disparity. And, you know, obviously the Warriors are probably going to win this game regardless, but I thought I I was really impressed with what Steve did, uh, you know, before the game even started with his starting lineup. Um, He supplanted... Quinn Cook in the starting lineup with Andre Iguodala. Keep in mind Andre was coming back from missing extended time with that knee injury. This is first game back in a while. Puts him right in there in the in the starting lineup. And then also starts Travail McGee against uh you know a pretty small ball Spurs lineup. The Spurs had been starting uh Pago Gasol along with Lamarcus Aldridge. They switched it up and went with Lamarcus at center, Kyle Anderson at power forward. Um, if you normally if you had known ahead of time that that was going to be their starting lineup, you probably want to go with a small ball center, maybe you know a Jordan Bell or probably a Kevon Looney. But I don't think Steve necessarily knew what what they were going to do, but he ended up going with Javale McGee, who I thought ended up being a perfect matchup because he's actually a guy who does really well against smaller front courts because he's really quick for his size. He's a, he causes a lot of matchup problems. He's, he's so unique athletically. He's able to get in space, and and those smaller guys just can't don't really know what to do with him. And he h- had his way with him, especially in that first half. At 11 of his 15 points in that first half, really was just feasting on alley-oops and yeah. you know dunks and, and that sort of thing. And that's the type of game you want to see out of a JaVale. And Steve st- said straight up, I mean, I'll probably keep him in that starting lineup because why – mess with a good thing. And I probably think the same is true for, for Andre. What'd you think of what'd you think when you first saw that Andre was in that starting lineup? I know I, I had to do a double take. It took me a minute to even
1: <laughs> You know, I you wasn't know. with you when I got when I saw that and I thought, I wonder what Connor's thinking about this because he sees the team all the time. And it, it shocked me. And I I didn't figure out Kerr right away. I figured okay maybe he's doing this because he wants to balance the scoring out so then when the second unit comes in he's he's got Quinn cook give him a little scoring off the bench, which probably was part of the thinking. But really, it turns out, as he explained afterwards, and we should have, I should have realized, his thinking was, we got to come out and put the hammer down on these guys defensively. we got to just stomp on them, smash their spirit defensively. And to do that, who's better than Igadala? And also, JaVale, when he's on, when he's playing defense, roaming the, the middle, that's a pretty good twosome to throw at uh, a team if you want to play defense on them. And it worked out perfectly because Iguodala, as you can see, didn't uh, give much on offense, which is a little bit worrisome. That's another topic, but um, but he played really good defense. And and the way those guys play team defense when they have all those guys, that's a pretty good defensive team. You know, Kevin Durant, Draymond, JaVale, Clay Thompson, and Andre Iguodala. That's that might be your you know Western Conference first all defensive team or something in some ways that's a great defensive team and that was that was Kerr's idea we'll just kill them on defense and they did
0: yeah i mean there's always a lot made of his offense but the reality is it, when they have guys like KD and Thompson and even Draymond and in this case McGee out there they don't need a lot of offense from Andre and you also have Quinn Cook coming off the bench and, and doing his thing so um and today Sean Livingston was nice with with uh, 11 points really feasting yeah. on post-ups but he did everything else really well not just the defense he also did a really nice job facilitating obviously initiating the offense had four assists and only had one turnover in 23 minutes so
1: it's, that's pretty typical isn't it for yeah
0: he ended up having a charley horse in the game and steve didn't seem 100 percent confident that he would play in game two i would be surprised if he practiced tomorrow but um, they have to feel good about just the fact that they have that as an option now that they've done it before they've had success with it yeah. if they have to put quinn cook back in the starting lineup for game two I don't think they're gonna feel uncomfortable with yeah. that by any stretch of the imagination but it's just another tool to have in their toolbox until they get Steph back and it was announced today that Steph will be re- re- reevaluated in a week there's really no news there obviously that means he'll definitely be out through game three but I. The chances of him coming back for even a game seven seem minimal. Uh, I don't expect to see him back till the Western Conference semis. So it's just about figuring out ways to get through. Um, and the reality is, uh, this this is the Warriors team that I think we all have been waiting six months to see. They've had yeah. they've had flashes of it, right. you know. They've had a couple dominant games, but it wasn't like last season where they were just barreling through teams i mean even when they won games they were often you know just riding one big quarter they yeah. were they almost were never stringing together complete performances and for me this felt as close to a complete performance as you're going to find or as you, you found with this team in months and like you said it, it it was really starting off strong defensively that first quarter i mean it took them like
1: oh, like half the first quarter to even get to 10 points yeah. spurs um, but you, yeah, you see these guys a lot more than I do. But to me, uh, what st- stood out to me early on on their defense was just the, the switching was great. They were right on everything. They weren't getting burned. They were staying with guys. They weren't leaving people open. It was uh, like sort of vintage warrior defense.
0: And, you know, one thing that o- pretty much always happens in, um, in the playoffs is the coach shortens his bench. And Steve, even though he's the strength and numbers guy right. – uh, you know, he even does that. And so today, the guys who kind of felt the brunt of that were Nick Young, Jordan Bell, and Zaza Pachulia. Those are all guys that have been in the rotation most of the season. Uh, Nick Young and Jordan Bell did not get in until garbage time. Zaza didn't play at all, which right. honestly surprised me a little bit. Just because he played Damian Jones ahead of Zaza, I don't think that means Damian Jones is ahead of Zaza on the depth chart. It was probably just a situation where he wanted to give Damian. Some playoff, some, some playoff minutes in, in garbage time. And Zaza doesn't really need that at this point in his career. Uh, but it was still kind of interesting. And I think it, it also just reinforced where Nick Young is on the priority list at this point. I mean, Nick Young has played big minutes for this team over the past month since they've been so so injured. But when it comes to games that matter, Nick Young has not proven – that he is consistent enough to actually be on the floor in meaningful minutes in games that matter. There were a couple games this year that he could you know, be blamed for for having lost for this team when he had to play bigger minutes or had to play down the stretch. He's just not a reliable guy. He doesn't make great decisions. He doesn't have the highest basketball IQ. He's not obviously not great at defending. The one thing he can do is shoot the ball, but – that's with this team. That's probably not going to be enough for you to get on the court when it matters in games that matter.
1: Right? Yeah. You still want him to. There's times out there where you want him to. Okay, you got an open shot, but pass the ball because that's what this team does. Don't just take the first open shot every time. And he's he still goes to that tendency, even though, you know, he's tried. I think during the year to sort of warrior up and and be more like in their their team style. But he's kind of in the end, he's he is what he is. Right.
0: Completely, and um, you know it's always it, it's always fun to to do predictions. Obviously, last week when we did the podcast, or I guess just earlier th- earlier this week, I said that the Warriors would win in five. What did you say again?
1: I said five. Yeah,
0: we both said five. Based off what we set, saw today, what's your re- revised uh,
1: prediction? I'll say three. They'll win in three. <laughs> no, I, I just believe me. I've seen a million playoffs i've covered a lot more going further back than you because you're a youngster but and so i know how crazy the mood swings can be in the playoffs from one game to the next the team that was unbeatable wins by 30 the next team time they come out and they can't play i've seen it a thousand times it's in fact it's more the norm that that teams will have that mood swing where they play a good game and then have a hard time the next game but i just don't get that feeling from this that the talent mismatch combined with the Warriors sort of reinvigorated mindset just to me it reeks of a four-game sweep
0: I completely agree at this point I'd be surprised if it wasn't a four-game sweep I mean it, it could always go five you, you can never predict you know there's there's very it's very possible that there could be a game three let down in San Antonio and it goes five but it's just so clear how much better <laughs> the Warriors are than San Antonio I don't I don't think the ta- there's a larger talent gap of any playoff series in the NBA right now. Um, it doesn't look like Kawhi is going to come back. Um, and, and even by, if he did by come back, you yeah, the, the to reintegrate re- yeah. him yeah. to everything, True. which which is like a completely new team at that point. Yeah, that's
1: just not going to happen. And to me, one sad thing, sidelight of the this whole series is the fact that the two big guys are out. That Steph and Kawhi yeah. are out. And, you know, in the play, you want to see both those guys out here, because is a phenomenal player. We know about Steph, but Kawhi's is a beautiful basketball player, and they need him. He's the key to their team, and without him, it's just not fair.
0: No, and that's obviously what we saw in the Western Conference Finals last year. You know, the yeah. the Spurs were up sixteen and a half, and then Kawhi gets injured in that third quarter in Game One, and it, they're just they're just not the same team. Which is why it, it's so impressive to me that the Spurs won forty seven regular season games. I think you know, he he's not going to be necessarily in the discussion because there were so many other impressive coaching jobs, and I think kind of people take for granted the Spurs' almost monotonous winning and, and the fact that they've been to 21 straight playoffs now, which is unbelievable. Um, but the fact that he was able to get this team, this team that we've kind of spent the majority of this podcast kind of, uh, you know, belittling or, uh, you know, poking holes in, and got this team to 47 wins. In some ways, this team's the opposite of the Warriors. They knew that they didn't have a lot at their disposal most of this season because they only had quiet for nine games. And so they tried to get the most out of every regular season win. They played hard. They, they did the little things right to eke out close wins, to get to 47 wins. The Warriors, they knew they were – maybe too aware of the fact that they are the most talented team on the court most of the time and just kind of slept walk through a lot of games and still got 58, which I've, I've written a couple of times, probably the most apathetic 58 win uh regular season in NBA history. I don't know if you win an award for that, but uh, so kind of looking ahead a little bit to game two, if you're Popovich, you know, what do you do? What, what, what's your, what's your, uh you know what's your game plan what what changes
1: do you make to to the plan but you can't do too much i can put pagasol in the starting lineup maybe that'll change things a little bit give you a little more offense you know he's he's old but he can still heat up and score 20 25 points so that that could be one change other than that there's there's not a lot he can do yeah
0: that's the thing
1: is i mean i think a lot
0: of people you know say oh but they have Popovich. he'll have a great game plan for game 2 and it's like yeah, but at the end of the day you have what you have. And it's not like there's any big revelations at this point in the season. You know what you have. The Warriors know what they have. You know, the Warriors know what the Spurs have. And so you're right. I mean they they can probably maybe defend they can try to defend uh Clay a little better off, off uh off screens. They can maybe start pow. They can maybe, you know, I don't know there's there's just not a lot they can do uh and the reality is when it comes to defending clay no one has really figured out how to stop clay coming off a screen i mean that he's arguably the best catch and shoot player in the history of the game you know he has the quickest release in the nba i mean there's there's only so many things you can do which just reaffirms our point that this is not going to probably be much of a series um you know and what do you think of the crowd today I I know our boss our boss Al was here and he seemed pretty impressed by it. To me it just felt like you know a normal playoff environment. What do you think?
1: Yeah, you know uh, Kevin Durant came in the the interview room afterwards and he you know he praised the crowd but it's funny I Durant is kind of a low-key guy anyway, but if you listen to that interview he was like yes the crowd was very good. It got us into it. We were it really helped us get charged up. It it almost like <laughs> uh you know faint praise. And, and I, I'm not saying he didn't mean that, but to me, it was, yeah, it was sort of, uh, okay, yeah, they're into it. They would, they let the Warriors sort of dictate the mood, though, you know. When the Warriors were going good, which they were kind of early on, then the crowd got into it. If there were a lull, the crowd would be in a lull. So it wasn't, it was not a madhouse. It was, it was fine. It wasn't like it was dead, but it was definitely not a madhouse.
0: Yeah, and... I think we've kind of, I think we've kind of analyzed this game as much as humanly possible. The reality is, it was a pretty straightforward game. The Warriors looked like they should have looked, and the Spurs looked like a team that just can't hang with the Warriors. So it'll be interesting to see if there's any changes to that, to that, uh, to that analysis come game two. Uh, we're going to be doing this Warriors off court a lot more in the playoffs. During the regular season, I admittedly was not great about it. You know, we did it at, at most once a week. Uh, we're going to be doing it at least twice a week, pretty much after every game, uh, maybe even on off days. So uh, be sure to follow us on iTunes if you aren't already and give us some feedback. We appreciate it.
1: By the way, after uh, if the, the Spurs should win game two, can we erase this tape of us? <laughs> yeah, no, we
0: we might need to. I mean, the reality is a lot can happen in the playoffs. I personally, though, feel pretty strongly that. The Warriors are are just so much better than the Spurs team, so uh, we'll see. I'm looking forward to covering it throughout throughout this series with Scott. We're and we're going to be in San Antonio. We get to be in San Antonio for six. Walk, baby. Here for six days. here we come. if you guys have any, uh, you know, restaurant recommendations, you know, anything to do in our free time, just let us know. Thank you. This show is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. Our theme music is Thank You for Playing by Ryan Little, courtesy of the Free Music Archive. This show is produced by me and Fernando Diaz. For more Warriors coverage, you can follow us on Twitter at con underscore cron and at Scott Osler. Check out all of our coverage at sfchronicle.com. Also, follow us on iTunes, and if you have some time, give us some feedback.